0: Welcome to the inaugural episode of Horror Palooza, the Carrie Elwes' leg of horror podcasts. I am Sir Ian Dangerous of the Busted Wide Open Pro Wrestling Podcast. Check that out if you get a chance. And I'm formerly known as Uncle Frank from Horribly And today we will be counting up the first seven movies of my 31 for 31 marathon, which is 31 movies. One for every day of the month of October. A nice little horror marathon that I am on. Uh, before we get into the show, I'd like to say my thanks for, uh, to my musical contributors, the Tiki Creeps for the opening song, and uh, 414 Beg for the ambiance and the stingers. You can find the Tiki Creeps at tikicreeps.com and on iTunes, and 414 Beg is on Instagram and iTunes as well. Thank you to those guys. If you haven't, Please go subscribe to Horror Palooza on your podcast app of choice. Obviously, if you're listening, you probably found us somewhere. But hit that subscribe button and uh, leave us a review if you want, and or a rating, and share us with your friends. We are on the Orbital Jigsaw Network at orbitaljigsaw.com. And you can find the show as well on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And if you want to find me on Twitter, you can hit me up at Sir Ian Dangerous or at Skinless Wonder. So, let's get into it. Uh, if you haven't listened to our preview episode, go go on back and do that. Go check it out. It's only about 10 minutes long, but that way you know what's going on, uh, what, what I'm doing here, who I am, etc., etc. But just to summarize, so we can get right into this, basically, I'm doing a horror marathon. I do it every year. A lot of people do it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but the difference is, I've given myself some rules... And uh, and I'm going to watch a movie a day all month long and try to follow these rules as I do it. And the rules are simple. There has to be a horror movie, obviously. I have to watch it in October. I can't cheat. And uh, of the 31 movies, none can be ones I've watched in the last five years. I can't do any repeats. i got to step outside of my comfort zone. And I have to watch at least one movie from each decade, starting at 1940 and coming to the present. Uh, everything before 1940 counts as one. And then I've got 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, aughts, uh, and the 2000s as well. So that's all. I've got to do one, at least one movie from each of those decades. I have to have at least three languages other than English uh, represented. So it can be any non-English language Movies got to be uh, in that. I can I can do Spanish once, but I can't do like a Mexican movie and a Spanish movie because that still counts as Spanish. Uh, and then I can't do multiple movies of the same franchise because they count as one. I can. I can watch Child's Play 1 through 6 if I want to, but it only counts as one movie towards my goal of 31. So those are my rules, and uh, I think that's it. I think I've, I've covered everything, so we can just dive right on in and get straight to the movies, which I'm assuming is what everyone is really here for. So I started off this year, October 1st, got right out of the gate with Twins of Evil from 1971. This is a British film. It's a hammer horror film. Uh, one of the reasons I started with that is I freaking love Hammer. Uh, it's one of my favorite types of, hor- of horror movies is hammer horror So nice to start off that way and really get into the spirit of things. And uh, this one I had not seen before. It recently came out on Blu-ray, so I grabbed a Blu-ray. Unfortunately, that's the only way I know of right now to easily get to it. I'm going to tell you if you can see the other ones on the streaming services that are around, and I'm going to try and stick to those so that you guys can check them out too I think they're good. But this one was just one I got because of Hammer and because of the god of Hammer himself, Peter Cushing, Uh, starring in this movie as Uncle Gustav, who is a witch finder. He's a man of God who runs around with all of his buddies who are basically kind of like the guys from Monty Python and the Search for the Holy Grail in that pretty much all they say is burn her, burn the witch, burn, 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 burn. They go around burning pretty much any attractive woman that they find from what I can tell and uh and they just assume that they're witches if they're attractive and live alone in the woods so yeah peter cushing not doesn't start the movie as a very nice guy uh and he's kind of a dick to his twin i guess nieces that come up from venice and are uh a little bit uh less pious than he'd like uh and they all live in a little village in the shadow of this great castle that's sitting on the top of the hill where uh, you have Damien Thomas, who's playing Count Karnstein. Uh, That's where he lives. This movie is uh, one of the three Karnstein movies and does have a couple of references to the other ones. Uh, At one point, uh, Count Karnstein in this, he's just kind of a a guy who goes around looking for fun things to do. He's very bored with life, so he's into Satanism and into just banging everything that he sees. So he finally uh gets the chance to turn himself into a vampire uh and that's a reference to another vampire in this trilogy uh when that happens but uh he has a hell of a head of hair and he makes pretty much a classic vampire with the the black and red cape and the high collar and the big old fangs. So it's pretty much like your cliche classic uh, vampire movie in that sense He starts getting attracted to one of the twins Who shows up in the village uh, One twin is good, one twin is evil They both look like a more voluptuous Carrie Fisher uh, Because they are uh, former, Both former playmates Yeah Mary and Madeline Collinson play the twins um, And they're actually pretty good I'm not going to lie like the, A lot of the performances in this movie Are are cheesy uh, and you really can't put Peter Cushing against anyone at this point in his career. You can't put him in a scene with anybody. He's just going to destroy them, and he does. He's more interesting than anyone in this movie, and he actually has a character arc, unlike pretty much everybody else. But this uh, <laughs> is—it is what it is. It's a Hammer horror film. It's got the atmosphere. Uh, it's got the the campiness that you would come to expect. Uh, it's it's dated. But it is a lot of fun, and it it, it does have a couple of interesting moments uh, that I, I actually was, was surprised they had uh, a little... Some moments the director just doesn't know what subtext means, like uh, when Count Carnstein is making love to his vampire lover and she starts stroking a candle. Yeah, uh, and then on other times, there's, there's some pretty good subtextual things that he's saying about the nature of religion. I don't want to get too heavy with this, but... Basically, he says, you know, it's one thing to be just wantonly pious. It's another thing to actually believe in something that's holy and good. And by nature of being holy and good is an opposition to anything that's evil just by simple virtue of its goodness. So it's kind of a it's a balanced take, uh, you know, when, they, when these uh, the witch finders are, are challenged against, you know, a real vampire and not just some poor chick in the woods. So worth a watch if you are into this sort of thing. If you're into campy old horror movies, uh, it is a good look. It's fun. I enjoyed it. It's uh, it's a good it's a good chuckle or two at the silliness of some of these older movies. But yeah, worth a watch if you can find it. Day two, day two was Hold the Dark, uh, the first one that I picked off of Netflix this year. Netflix does have a pretty solid horror selection, uh, and let's see, Hold the Dark. It uh, stars Jeffrey Wright, who is awesome, and he's fantastic in this. It also uh, stars Alexander Skarsgård, uh, James Badge, Dale, Riley Coe, and uh, Tantu Cardinal, Julian Black Antelope, but uh, it's fantastic. It's, it's a very good movie. I, I, I had a bit of a hard time calling it a horror movie. Uh, because it is, it doesn't really have a lot of what you would consider horrific elements. I, I actually was watching it, knowing nothing, went in completely blind, and assumed that it would be uh, supernatural in some way. At some point, something supernatural was going to happen, and it never did. Uh, not to no spoilers aside. I wish I had known actually going in that it was uh, not a supernatural movie. That it was just essentially. I don't want to say it's entirely like. No Country for Old Men because that would be leading you in the wrong direction as well. But it is much more of a heart of darkness, uh, crime, murder, revenge movie than it is anything supernatural. Uh, It's by the guy who directed Green Room, though. And if you've seen that movie, you know that he has no problem with just very matter-of-fact violence. And this movie has quite a bit of that as well. And I would say that between the atmosphere... And the the tension, and then that kind of brutality, the 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 really brutal uh, moments of gore and, and violence. I would say this definitely pushes over into horror territory, uh, and well worth a watch. Just incredibly acted across the, the entire board. The atmosphere is incredible. It's it's beautifully shot. I love the I love real snow. Anytime that you get real snow, it really does make you feel cold, and not uh, just some you know, Hollywood fluff, cotton balls on the set and whatnot. So, uh, definitely recommend checking this one out. Uh, I, w- I will, uh, tiny spoilers, so skip ahead about uh, two minutes if you don't want to hear this, but tiny, not, not nothing about the end, really, just that it does uh, have a moment of brightness at the end. It, it, it is a very philosophical movie. It took me a couple of days of thinking about it to really wrap my head around it. Uh I feel like it was very pessimistic about humanity for 99% of its runtime but there is a glimmer of hope uh something about you know engaging in human connection uh we can hold on to this candle that will hold away the darkness and, and and you know I'll let you guys watch it and and figure it out for yourselves but I definitely felt like they had some some pretty heavy thoughts in this movie and uh I liked it a lot so uh, moving on to day three. Day three, I went over to Amazon Prime. You can find this movie on Amazon Prime. This is "The Girl with All the Gifts." Uh, it's also a 2017 movie. Uh, and as a big fan of uh, "The Last of Us," the which is a uh, fantastic video game. If you guys have not played it. It is more of a movie with video game elements in it than anything else, but it's a, uh, a zombie movie where the zombies are fungus creatures. It's a cordyceps fungus has caused you to become a zombie. It's taken over your mind. And uh, it's a great game, but in this movie, it was the same kind of conceit. It's a zombie movie where we're a little bit in the future, and the world it has been ended by a fungus apocalypse. And in this one, you know you're still alive, you're just infected by a fungus uh which okay, fine it was i uh, I felt a lot of like direct visual uh relationships to last of us, and I was trying not to see those and a lot of of course you know zombie movies we've seen a million of the million of them over the last eighteen years now or ever since uh twenty eight days later really revitalized the genre. Uh, we've seen a lot of zombie movies, so a lot of the tropes are very familiar but this did actually find a lot of uh a lot of like little twists little 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 conceits of its own that were were different enough to make it engaging it's also it's a really endearing movie in terms of the acting and the characters you do get invested pretty quickly the Uh, the main girl who plays uh, the girl with all the gifts whose name I'm going to destroy but it's uh, Sania Nanua she's fantastic she really is good and as the centerpiece of this whole movie uh, she does really hold it together uh, against really good actors like Gemma Arterton uh, Patty Considine and Glenn freaking Close who really at this point could read a dictionary and I would watch and she's fantastic in this. My my biggest issue with this is the plot. The The script is kind of... It's not all the way there. And the char- some of the characters are just so dumb. They do those dumb things where you're just yelling at the TV. Like, what are you doing? Why? Why? Don't do... You- oh, it's too late. Uh, There's a bit of that in this. But it was definitely worth a watch. Uh, if you feel like a bit of a zombie movie, this is one to check out. Uh, I do recommend it, and uh, I did at the end of the day, even though it wasn't, eh, it didn't blow my mind, but I definitely thought it was a very solid movie, and worth a watch, if you're feeling like a zombie movie. Uh, Moving on, I've got day four, I had The Wailing, and that was from 2016, I know a lot of modern movies, I know, I fixed this later, Uh, 2016, Korean, it's a Korean movie, and you can find it streaming on Netflix. Uh, this was a, not what I expected at all. Another one, I went in pretty blind. I knew the basic gist, which was a police officer in a rural town starts investigating these weird uh, events where people start, you know, go crazy and kill their loved ones when they seem to be infected with some sort of disease. So right off the bat, I was like, ah, oh, it's a zombie movie. It's not a zombie movie. <laughs> it's not what I expected at all. And... I have to be honest, I felt like it really meandered for the first 45 minutes. And then even after that, I was trying to figure out what exactly the hell was going on and what they were what they were doing, what a lot of these characters' motivations and what their uh, mindset was for a large chunk of this movie. But I eventually settled in and I think if I watched it again, I would get a lot more out of it. But... Uh, By the end, I felt like it was trying so hard to obscure what was really going on, the real secret. And this is a movie I don't want to spoil because there are some pretty good twists. There's a lot of twists. I think there's too many twists in this movie. It just twists itself too far, where at the end you're sitting there going, wait, but that doesn't make sense that this person would have done that if they knew that that there's a little bit of that uh, at the end of this movie. But it is... Also, really well made. It's beautiful. It's a it's beautifully shot. There's some fantastic acting in it. The main character, uh, at first, I couldn't stand him because he's uh, this really bumbling guy who, at the same time, has this arrogance to him, uh, and he's just he's he's not a very endearing guy. But uh, but by the end, you do come around in him. And the, I mean, the guy who the actor who plays him, whose name I will destroy if I say it. Uh, did a fantastic job. So at the end of the day, I came around on him. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I did feel like it tried too hard. I've seen a lot of great reviews for it, and I do understand why, but uh, I-, I thought that it was a bit weirdly comic at times when it really w- it was juxtaposing when it really shouldn't. Uh, and I think sometimes it was intentional where they would deliberately go from a scene of just grisly body horror to close ups of food and the main character is eating them. Uh, My other big issue with this was, and I I can't really discuss this without getting a little bit into the plot. Uh, So again, spoiler warning, minor. It is uncomfortably xenophobic uh, in that it has a prominent Japanese character who is often referred to as the Jap, or by less uh, friendly terms. And he is under a lot of suspicion in this movie. From the local villagers as to what his intentions are and uh, who he is, you know, rumors about his activities and so forth. And they go back and forth teasing you as to whether or not he's really a good guy or not. And I'm, you know, I won't go all the way into spoiler territory, but suffice it to say that the movie doesn't do a good job of. Allaying any feelings of xenophobia You might have And obviously Korea and Japan Historically don't exactly have The nicest uh, uh, History together They're not exactly friendly So it's it, uh, Juxtaposing it onto a western mindset I didn't exactly think That this was uh, The most clear way To express what the director May have been trying to express uh, yeah, I thought it was very awkward, and it definitely left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. So, but aside from that, I really enjoyed the movie. The horror in this movie was fantastic, and some really horrific moments, some genuinely scary moments, really freaky moments. Uh, so, if you wanna, if you wanna get a good, good chill, this is a good one for that. And <laughs> it's dark as hell. Like a lot of Korean movies, Korean horror movies that I've watched uh, recently, it is not interested in giving you light. And happiness and joy It is just here to crush your hopes And leaving, leave you just feeling awful About everything Which, yeah, you know, sometimes I can be down with that In this movie, I definitely left going Yeah, that was brutal Oof, oh wow Okay So, that was my, uh, that was my uh, foreign language movie Number one for the year I, I, As long as I get three, I'm good If I go over, that's fine too But uh, that's number one So I got that out of the way uh, in a very, very solid movie. By the way, uh, if you're looking for the original Korean version, it is, uh, the the original name is Gokseong, uh, which I'm sure I pronounced incorrectly. Uh, day five. So day five's movie came about because I'm a big fan of Rocky Erickson, and I keep every Halloween season, I get one of his songs stuck in my head, which, which whichever one it is, whether it's... Uh, uh, walk with I Walked with a Zombie or uh, Night of the Vampire or Burn the Flames or whatever it is Two-Headed Dog This year I got Creature with the Atom Brain stuck in my head Creature with the Atom Brain is my fifth movie That was what I decided to do was number five Creature with the Atom Brain I found it on Amazon uh, and it's from 1955 so I got my 1950s movie out of the way with this one. Wow, this movie did not age well. (laughs) There is a lot of uh, self-satisfied pipe puffing and misogyny in this movie. Uh, It's also got German mad scientists and mobsters and uh, nuclear zombies with Frankenstein foreheads and the charisma and personality of Stephen Wright. It is a a curio. It is a timepiece, that's for sure. Uh, If you are uh, excited about Fallout 76 coming up, this is a really good movie, actually, to get psyched for that because it really feels very much like the 50s. The men are men and the women are in the kitchen. Literally. Uh, the, uh, the wife of the main character uh, who was played by Richard Denning. Richard, Richard the man Denning. Uh, who I think had a pipe, pipe out of his mouth for maybe 30 seconds of this entire film. His wife and daughter were really... Man, they were not good characters. They were, wow. Uh, it was bad. It was real bad. I There was a lot of stuff that I was in, in, entertained by. But man, every time you went to, to old Frank's house or to Richard's house, I was just like, oh man, not again. There's this no good. Uh, but yeah, the base of the story is you got a, a gangster named Buchanan who is forcing a possibly ex-Nazi scientist to reanimate corpses and make them go uh, get revenge on the guys who, who deported him. That's the, that's the plot. And it's, yeah, like I said, it's a curio piece. You're, uh, you're not going to get scared a single time in this movie. But uh, uh, it is laugh out loud funny, not intentionally, but uh, it is, I was chuckling a lot at this movie. So <laughs> worth, a, worth a watch if you know what you're getting in for. Uh, I, you could even do it as like it came out as a double feature with uh, it came from beyond, but from beneath the sea. You could do it as a double feature with that, and it would be a lot of fun. So, yeah, Creature with the Atom Brain. Ew, good luck with that one. Day number six, I watched The Resurrected. Now, this is, this is one I'm going to talk about for a second. So, first of all, this one came out in 1991, which is awesome because it means I got my 90s movie out of the way. It's really hard to find good horror movies in the 90s. That was a, that was a dark decade. Uh, it is a US movie and it was originally released uh, they tried to release it in the theaters but it was a, it was originally a straight to video movie and I kind of can see why this was I don't think this would have held up at the time it still feels very very dated uh, the first 15 minutes I was just sitting there thinking man you just got to fire the set designer and lighting designer this is absolutely this is horrible and then it actually leveled out and became a, a really solid movie Uh, It it worried me for a second there, but then it it really did level out. Uh, One of the reasons I was curious... I had a few reasons to be curious about this movie. It just came out recently on Blu-ray, which is the only place I can find to see it these days, so sorry, it's on Blu-ray. But uh, stars Chris Sarandon, who you may know from Fright Night, or is the evil prince from Princess Bride. Uh, He is fantastic in it. It's based on the H.P. Lovecraft story, uh, the strange... A uh, case of Charles Dexter Ward. And uh, Chris Sarandon does play Charles Dexter Ward in this. Uh, the other movie that I'm a huge fan of that was based on that story was Haunted Palace with Vincent Price, which I love. And it, that that one had, it took some liberties with the story. And they even said that the when they were promoting the movie that was based on an Edgar Allan Poe story, because I guess H.P. Lovecraft wasn't a big enough name at the time. Well, The Resurrected, they went and they, they openly said, now this is H.P. Lovecraft, they've stuck a lot closer to not only the structure of the book, but the narrative way that H.P. That Lovecraft makes a lot of his stories, which is stories within stories. Uh, one character coming in and relating a story to another character, and then we see that story and so forth. So there's a lot of layers going on. Uh, time moves back and forth and, and so forth. Uh, but this ends up being this ended up being a pretty solid movie. The other thing that I should say that might pique your interest if you if you haven't seen this movie, don't know about it. Directed by Dan O'Bannon. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because he wrote Alien and uh, Life Force and directed Return to the Living Dead. Wrote and directed Return to the Living Dead. Uh, he did not write this movie. Uh, there was screen not his screenplay, but uh, it was a uh, Kurt. Sid Mac did the screenplay for this uh, and uh, you can tell because there's no nudity and it's Dan O'Bannon so that's yeah uh, <laughs> but Dan O'Bannon does a good job with this he does actually have some pretty awesome practical effects some really gnarly gnarly creations uh, that I was I was surprised just how Lovecraftian they were uh, on what was a pretty obviously a shoestring budget uh, and I have to say, there's a climactic moment at the end of this movie—a confrontation in a padded cell. I will leave it at that. That was that I genuinely got under my skin. It was it, it was genuinely intimidating and spooky. Uh, and not not the end. The end the end of the movie ends a bit abruptly, but uh, there is some very good stuff here. And I was pleasantly surprised. This was a nice little little uh, forgotten movie, I think, that needs another look. Definitely worth checking out uh, if you're into HP Lovecraft, if you're into Dan O'Bannon, prosthetic effects, that kind of thing. Don't expect, you know, another Exorcist or Shining or, you know, top-of-the-line movie. It's definitely a B movie. But worth checking out. I was a big fan of it. And uh, I'm glad I got it on Blu-ray. It was worth the price. Day seven, I had uh, I had lined up for myself. I kept knowing I was gonna watch this in my first seven days. I kept putting it off and putting it off, and I finally did it on day seven. I went to Netflix and I watched Terrifier, which is that spooky clown one. If you've been if you've been uh, searching around Netflix, flicking around Netflix, you see the one with the spooky clown. That's the one. Uh, there's a few spooky clown ones on Netflix. It's like Stitches is on there, and Clown, the the very imaginatively named Clown, which by the way is a really good movie. Just a, a small aside, Clown's a really good movie. Uh, but uh, you know, in its own way so is Terrifier. It does not pretend to be anything other than what it is, which is evil clown kills people. That's the movie. There's an evil clown, there's some attractive women, there's a couple of guys, the clown kills them in very, very brutal uh, I would say somewhat creative ways, but it's only so creative you can be when you're using a gun for some of your kills. That's I think that's a no-no for slashers, but that's just me uh, if if you're looking for just a straight up slasher just gore and uh, by the way some genuinely br- just really brutal kills this is your movie uh, very mean spirited movie very brutal there's one scene that reminded me a little bit of the, uh, the very famous scene in Bone Tomahawk if you know what I'm talking about then you know what I'm talking about. They did it in this one too. Not quite as well as Bone Tomahawk. Uh, just didn't feel as as brutal or inhumane. Uh, this one definitely felt a little more cartoony. But it was still uh, uh, insane. And this movie's pretty insane. And I would recommend checking it out if you have a strong stomach and want to see a whole bunch of brutality. They shot it very grindhouse and the color is very crushed down. It uh, feels like a throwback, '80s movie with much like more modern sensibilities and, and a lot more, a lot more meanness. It was mean. It was a mean little movie. Uh, directed by Damien Leone, uh, or De- Leone, excuse me. Uh, based on his anthology series, he did like a short film of this first, and then uh, uh, got the money to make this movie and got picked up, and put on Netflix. So there you go. Thread Central presents picked it up. So, yeah, worth checking out if you uh, if you want to see some blood and guts and don't care if the plot is non-existent. Non-existent! So that comes to the end of our movies for the first week. I'm seven in. I've got a bunch to go, 24 to go. I'm looking forward to it. i got a bunch of good ones lined up. I've already started watching some other ones. It's good. We'll be back for some more of that with our next episode. But before we take off, I just wanted to do one thing real quickly. I'm going to play a little game. I'd like to play a game. I'm going to uh, put it out there that anyone listening to this podcast, please tweet me or find me on Facebook if I know you. Uh, Tweet at me suggestions for movies to watch, but then also tweet at me what moment, what moment in a horror movie scared you more than any other moment? What was the most scared you've ever been by a horror movie? Uh, I will read off those re- replies, anything that I get, on the next couple of shows, and then at the uh, the fourth show, the final show, on the go home show, I will reveal the most scared I've ever been by a horror movie, and I guarantee it is not what you expect. I <laughs> uh, kind of surprised myself with it. So yes, send me at Sir Ian Dangerous or at Skinless Wonder. Send me the most scared you've ever been, ever been By a horror movie The scene that spooked you the most That just got under your skin the most And I'll uh, I'll read those out on air And I'll reveal mine On the last episode of this little Four part miniseries that I'm doing here uh, One more thing before I go I'm also going to do a little top ten list A little uh, Surrey and Dangerous Top ten list for every one of these shows I've got a couple uh, In the wings that I'm going to do But uh, I'm going to start this week I'm going to start this week with the most fucked up movies of all time. That's right. I'm coming out the gate as hard as possible. If you're looking for just the most messed up, gross, gory, uh, disgusting, make you feel like crap horror movies that you could possibly watch, if you want to watch those this Halloween season, I've got the list for you. Uh, Obviously, that you could find these all over the internet, but these are mine. These are the ones I believe are the gnarliest films ever made. So, without further ado, the most fucked-up movies of all time, as according to Sir Ian Dangerous. Number one. By the way, these are no these are no particular order. (laughs) I should throw that out there. These I just jumbled them all together. Because it's really hard to say which one's more fucked up than the other. I have my personal number one, but I'll reveal that at the end of this. Uh, So the first one, Martyrs. Martyrs, which is a brilliant French film. Actually, one of my favorite horror movies of all time. uh, Because it does rise above how unflinchingly awful and brutal it is. And it gives you some really heavy shit to think about at the end of this movie. I, I could watch this movie over and over and over and get something new out of it every time. Although, damn, I'm going to be wincing the entire way there. This movie is freaking relentless. It is uh, It is not a feel-good film. Uh, but uh, I, I actually think that unlike a lot of these that are on this list, it's actually a really good movie. So, uh, number two, another most fucked up movie of all time, Salo, or The 120 Days of Sodom Uh, if the if the title itself doesn't clue you in yeah this is based on some of the Marquis de Sade's work Uh, there is pretty much every kind of horrible activity possible in this movie a bunch of rich people trap a bunch of uh, poor young people in an estate and proceed to torture them for 120 days and make them do all kinds of horrible things Uh, this movie has been banned so many times it's ridiculous. But, uh, and if you ever watch it, you'll see why. It's uh, very hard to watch and it will stick with you. Number three, speaking of hard to watch and sticking with you, Antichrist, uh, another movie that is just uh, absolutely gorgeous to look at and is, you know, a, a film, a film with a capital F in front of it. But it is also a horror movie of the most t- depraved sort. Uh, Some of the hardest stuff to watch I've ever seen are in this movie by Lars von Trier. Uh, Willem Defoe, for crying out loud, the things that they do to his penis in this movie. That's right. I said it. Genital mutilation abounds, and not just to him. uh, Male and female. Plus, there's the tick hand. Uh, If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Antichrist. That's a movie that I, I watched. I've seen twice now, and I pray I pray I never have to see it again. Uh, one movie, Another movie I've seen twice, and I pray I never have to see again, a Serbian film. Uh, I'm not talking about uh, just as a... There's a movie out there. It's a Serbian film. No, it's called... The title is A Serbian Film, if you haven't uh, heard about it. Uh, you can find the unrated cut now, I believe, is available in the United States. It was, it's been banned in pretty much every country across the planet, at least at one point or another. It is... This is mine. This is my worst one ever. This is the this is the hardest film I've ever had to watch. The worst stuff I've ever seen on film. This is it for me. This is the worst I've ever felt after a movie. Uh, I can't even begin to list off all the horrible things that happen in this movie, but let me put it this way. It's about a, uh, a legendary porn star who gets uh, pulled back into the industry for one more gig and then wakes up three days later and wonders what the hell he did, and has to you know, track back what happened over the last three days. And let's just say that the things that happen over those three days are probably the worst things that could possibly happen. And then when we get back to the present, more horrible shit happens. It's, ugh, it's awful. A Serbian film. Uh, next up, I've got Cannibal Holocaust. This one, it's got to be on the list, obviously. This is on everyone's horrible movie list. Uh, and this is another one that I think, like Martyrs at the end, actually has a point. Actually is a very smartly made movie. And uh, there's a purpose behind it. But no matter what, you, you can't get around the fact that they did at one point in this movie kill a tortoise. For real. They actually... This was the, one of the first found footage movies or pretending to be a found footage movie uh, pretends to be uh, footage from a group of people who get onto the, uh, the Amazon basin trying to study the local tribes and they descend into being... Uh, these horrible, horrible people. And one of the things they do is kill this turtle. And it was, uh, that's not a fun scene to watch at all. And I, I don't approve of it. In any way, shape, or form, cruelty to animals, boo, boo, Cannibal Holocaust, even if you do have a point at the end. Uh, next is Irreversible, which you can is now streaming in a lot of places, actually. You can uh, see this on a lot of services. I don't know, I'm pretty sure either Netflix or Amazon has it. Uh, if you really, really want to feel bad, uh, this movie does go in a uh, Gaspar Noe, by the way, he's just, you could watch I stand alone, which is his debut film. And I think it's actually even more bleak, but, uh, irreversible. I th- there is a, uh, it's a, well, a 14 minute rape scene at the end of this movie. That is probably the worst thing I've ever seen. Le- the worst uh, of its kind that I've ever seen. It starts off with this brutal murder, ends up with a rape scene. It's just horrific, this movie. Ugh. Terrible. Uh, If you really want to feel bad, watch this. Or if you don't want to see that kind of stuff, you can go watch I Stand Alone and see even worse stuff. Uh, Next up, I've got The Men Behind the Sun, which is a... It's a recreation, a documentary recreation of some of the horrible things that the Japanese did in China when they had uh, taken it over before, right before world war two. And uh, it's got a lot of real, the thing about this that makes it bad is that it's all based on real experiments that really happened that, uh, that actually occurred. So, you know that like they're being exploitative about it and really kind of getting in on the, the grisly details. Uh, But unit seven, three, one, the Japanese unit seven, three, one did actually do this. To Chinese and Soviet prisoners. Um, and it is it is just brutal. It is gross. And uh, as I said, the fact that this was all real makes you feel even worse. All right, next up, I've got Visitor Q. Now, I had my pick of Takashi Miike. Uh, I could have done... I mean, I could have done Ichi the Killer, Gozu... Anti uh, uh, audition you know he's got a whole bunch that you could easily go for but uh, th- I picked this one because there is so much transgressive stuff in this uh, and I I kind of don't want to spoil it I kind of want you to just, just if you do watch this movie I kind of want you to be surprised and horrified like I can't believe it's not all horror stuff too I mean yes yes there's necrophilia yes there is coprophilia yes there is incest but there's other stuff too that uh, I can't even begin to describe. Uh, with without, uh, oh, there it comes, uh, Visitor Q. Another movie that when it ends, you kind of go, "Oh, okay, that's what you were doing." Okay, I get it. He wraps it up really well, which is good because otherwise, this movie would have just been a, a, an an orgy of nonsensical taboo breaking and uh, while you know that's some people's uh, line of fish. I like to I like to have a little bit of a wrap-up at the end, like, to let me know why the hell I just sat through that. So, uh, Visitor Q, if you haven't seen it, honestly, of all of the ones on this list, that's the one you might want to just check out just for the curiosity factor because it is absolutely insane. Speaking of insane, uh, number nine here, Human Centipede 2. I'm not going to go with Human Centipede number one because it felt too professionally made. Uh, it felt like too much of a mainstream movie. Two feels like a freaking snuff film. Between the black and white, the lack of dialogue, just the dirtiness of it, just the, it feels, it just feels filthy. I, uh, it just gets under your skin. It, it, but the the main character is just such a odd looking dude, and uh, what he does to people. If you, I mean, come on, at this at this point, you know what Human Centipede is. You know what it's about. You know what happens to people. Oh, this one, he does it to a lot more people. And unlike the doctor in the first one who was an actual doctor and was doing it in a sanitary fashion, fashion this guy's never had any mental, medical training. He does it in a dirty warehouse, and he uses staples. And uh, a bunch of other stuff. It's, huh, it's bad. Uh, I I think of all of the human centipedes, this was in some ways the best and in some ways the worst one. Uh <laughs> and uh, I'll leave you to decide which one I mean about which Uh, last but not least Necromantic Uh, this one is to me like kind of one of the granddaddies is up there with uh, Cannibal Holocaust if you're into any kind of transgressive horror this is one of the go to's another movie that has literally everything and is just so wrong just so bad but a surprisingly good soundtrack Uh, yeah I don't even I mean, look at the title That'll tell you all you need to know. <laughs> it's a really hard movie to watch. It's terribly paced. It's not even that well shot. But uh, it is... Uh, it's gross. It is fucked up. Uh, I will give some honorable mentions here to the Guinea Pig series, specifically Flowers to Flesh and Blood, Faces of Death, obviously. Uh, dead Girl Inside. Pretty much anything from the French New Extremity uh, was was is pretty rough. But uh, and then there's some there's some really obscure ones that I could get into, but I I wanted to stick to ones that you can go find fairly easily, uh, because most of the time that means that they're actually going to be uh, there's there's an element of uh, quality to them, or or at least uh, there is some consideration to how they're made, whereas some of the lesser known ones just tend to be just weird for the sake of weird. So, that's the 10 most fucked up movies of all time, according to Sir Ian Dangerous, and there is the first seven movies of uh, my marathon for this year. Thank you for sticking around to the end of the show. Uh, I will be back in about a week with a whole new slew of horrific offerings, about seven more movies we'll be doing next time, plus a new top ten list. And uh, let's look at how I'm doing before we get out of here. I did a lot of modern movies this week, but I managed to get in a '70s movie and a '90s movie. Got the '90s out of the way. I got a Korean film in there, so I've only got two more non-English languages to fulfill my quota. Uh, so I'm off to a good start. So thank you again. Again, hit me up on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous or at uh, Skinless Wonder, and uh, go ahead and check out 414 Beg on Instagram or iTunes and the Tiki Creeps at TikiCreeps.com and uh, go to OrbitalJigsaw.com if you want to see a whole bunch more cool podcasts on this lovely network. Don't forget to subscribe and get notified as well when I put up the next episode coming up in one week. So thank you very much, everybody, and we'll see you next time right here on...